Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. It's Antoinette Latouf with you. On the show today, we're looking into sextortion. And Katrina, that's when a person is extorted for money under threat of having something like nude photos sent to family, friends and sometimes even an employer. Yeah, this is incredibly distressing for the people involved. And the latest data on this is being presented by the eSafety Commissioner in Parliament, likely this week. Some of it might surprise you. Uh, the Commissioner's Office has received more than 4,000 reports of sextortion last year. Bear in mind, they're the people who've actually reported it. And of them, a whopping 83% came from men. This is compared to 14% from women. These um, blackmailers initially make contact on the mainstream social media services with Instagram and Snapchat, the most frequently reported to our investigators. So Jan Fran asks all the important questions like where and why this is happening and crucially tips on how to prevent it or deal with it when it does. So that's coming up a little later in the show. But first, here are today's headlines. It's Monday, May 22nd. There's going to be a crackdown on buy now, pay later services. So those are the ones like Afterpay and Zip. New laws set to be introduced will mean they'll face tougher regulations. They must be licensed and comply with the National Consumer Credit Protection Act. And that means they must also comply with responsible lending obligations. So have things like financial checks in place for people they'll lend to, have hardship requirements, minimum standards for conduct and dispute resolution processes. There'll also be caps on charges for mispayments and new marketing requirements. So, Antoinette, they're pretty much going to be subject to the same standard as credit cards, which I think it's about time. Yeah, look, when these services came out, I was like, oh, this is almost too good to be true. And as it turns out... um It feels like I kind of was right because in the 2021-22 financial year, there were 7 million buy now, pay later accounts and they resulted in $16 billion in transactions. Um, So that's uh, huge and it increased about 37% on the year before. But here's the thing, people have been opening multiple accounts like this and they can access far more debts than they'd be able to if they got a credit card or a payday loan. And obviously, the risks are pretty big um, and they were disproportionately affecting women, um, people who are First Nations and people on low income. So Treasury expects a bill will be introduced into Parliament um, by the end of the year following a consultation process. You may have heard about the 95-year-old woman who was tasered by police in the New South Wales town of Cooma. Well, she's now receiving end-of-life care. Officers were called to Yalambi Lodge Aged Care Home at about 4.15am on Wednesday, that was last week, after the resident, whose name is Claire Nowland, who has dementia, she was found by staff holding a steak knife. And after police failed to get her to drop the knife, uh, an officer with 12 years in the force used a taser, causing Claire to fall and hit her head. And this incident was captured on body cam footage, but New South Wales police say they have no intention of releasing it. Yeah, I guess that's because it would be such a distressing piece of footage to release to the public. I don't know that that would help things in any way. It is worth pointing out there is an investigation underway now. It's also worth pointing out that this officer was experienced. They weren't a rookie, but... Mm. 
in thinking about this, and I have thought about this so much, I have a very close relative right now with dementia. I think to myself, how can a 95-year-old woman who was apparently, according to the New South Wales Police Assistant Commissioner, moving at a very slow pace with her walking frame, how could a group of officers who are armed not be able to use other means to restrain Mm. her? And I guess that is the big question that this independent inquiry is now going to look at. And dementia is a complex disease, um, but it is a it is a common one and it is growing. Uh, and disability advocates say that they don't think there's enough training for police around the right sort of de-escalation tactics. Um, and that includes people who have you know, psychosis or Alzheimer's or dementia or people living with psychosocial disability and that vulnerable people need to be treated with care and, and not force. Well, you may have heard on Friday afternoon that Stan Grant is stepping away from his job at the ABC and we we don't know how long for. Now, the Q&A host has received an apology from ABC Managing Director David Anderson. Anderson's also agreed to launch an investigation of ABC responses to racism affecting staff. Uh, So this is after Grant said not one ABC executive had publicly defended him from racism, which all came to a head when he received backlash over the network's coronation coverage. He said that since the King's coronation, I've seen people in the media lie and distort my words. They've tried to depict me as hate-filled and they've accused me of maligning Australia. Mm. It is such a loss to the media landscape. Grant is extraordinarily experienced, but he'd only hosted Q&A for less than a year when he decided to step aside last week. Oh, Katrina, I have so much to say here. So I don't know if anyone who's read my book, How to Lose Friends and Influence White People, would know just um, how passionate I am about anti-racism and, and the role that the media plays here. And, and some of you may know I co-founded Media Diversity Australia six years ago, and Stan Grant is one of the advisory board members. And essentially that the goal of this not-for-profit was to try and get more First Nations and other people of colour in the media, which is super unrepresentative of the Aussie population. Mm. And This is so dispiriting and distressing for so many. Katrina Kastan was a mentor for many, someone we all looked up Mm. to and respected him enormously. And him stepping away, it's not only sad for the country when his voice and intellect is so needed in the lead up to the referendum, but it's left many of us thinking, well, if someone as brilliant and talented as him Mm. reaches his tipping point due to... And I should be pointed out, it's not just social media targeting, it's targeting, strategic targeting by tabloid press as well. Then what hope do the rest of us have? And are we still at a point in this country, like we had Adam Goods, who was booed and bullied out of the AFL, and Yasmin Abdul-Majid, who was bullied and harassed out of the country, and all they did was use facts and honesty and experience to draw attention to racial injustice and calling for a better and more harmonious Australia. And then the message they get is, hey, we will bully, punish and silence you. And that just makes me despair about our future. And we're trying to get on the front foot when it comes to higher education debt. Voluntary repayments are up almost 60% than they were in the last financial year. That's according to the ATO. 
Uh, so this is because there's going to be a 7.1% jump in indexation on all help loans from June 1. So there is still time if you want to get in before the indexation hits. Uh, you need to make your help repayments by Thursday this week if you are keen to beat that indexation hike. That is going to hurt a lot of people, isn't it, Antoinette? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so why they are interest-free, these help, this help program, um, as you mentioned, are subject to indexation, which adjusts every year in line with inflation. But for the past 10 years, the indexation rate has always hovered about 2%. Um, but because of the state of the economy, that's done quite the jump. And that's why it's now reached that over 7% point. All right, that's today's headlines. In just a sec, Jan Franz coming in to talk about sextortion. Picture this scenario. You're a 19-year-old guy on a social media app. A total babe slides into your DMs. They're flirting with you and sending you sexually suggestive messages. And after a while, they ask you to share a nude pic of yourself with them. Now, you hesitate, but they sent you a nude that matches their profile pic, and maybe you're caught up in the moment. So you send one. This is the start of what the eSafety Commissioner says is the most common scenario of sexual extortion, or sextortion as it's known. And young men on social media apps are the most common victims. Why is it that they're the most targeted? Who is behind these types of scams and how can you avoid it happening to you? Michelle, and we're only going to use her first name, Michelle is an investigator with the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner. They've been looking into this and she joins us now. Michelle, welcome to the briefing. Thank you for being here. Let's start, first of all, with a definition of sextortion. What is it? Sextortion is a, a scam that um, we're seeing more and more often in reports to our image-based abuse scheme at eSafety and it's essentially a blackmail scam where people are threatening to send sexual images or videos of their targets to family, friends and colleagues unless they pay up. Basically, the scam works by criminals hiding behind fake accounts on social media. Uh, these fake accounts tend to be impersonating very attractive young people. They send you flirtatious and sexual messages. They might ask you to change platforms. Uh, They pressure you to share nudes and and get sexual on a video call uh, very quickly. They may try to manipulate, isolate and shame you. Uh, Sometimes they'll send nudes that match their profile pic to gain your trust And once they have those nude and sexual images, uh, then the pressure will start to pile on and they'll be making demands of you for um, payment and using the threat of sharing those images with with your friends and family unless you uh, make the payment. This is something that you've been uh, looking into. What Mm. have the findings of your research shown? Let's start with how prevalent this is in Australia. This isn't a new scam, um, but the increased prevalence over the last um, 12 months to two years is new. Um, we've really seen a doubling down in effort to target young Australians in this way. And uh, we've certainly received a, a large increase in the volume of reports to eSafety. Uh, we've heard similar stories from law enforcement agencies around the country as well. So uh, we first started receiving 
reports of sextortion back in 2017 when eSafety established an image-based abuse portal to give tangible support to Australians who had their intimate images or videos shared without their consent. Um, but as I said, the volume and proportion of the sextortion reports was much smaller back then. Um, of the hundreds of complaints that we received in the first year, less than 25% of those were sextortion. But fast forward six years, we now have thousands of Australians coming to us in crisis as blackmailers uh, threaten to share their sexual images and videos. For example, last year, almost 60% of uh, roughly 7,000 reports that we received through our scheme were reports of sextortion. What do you attribute to the rise? Two things. Uh, one is that real concentration of effort. It's obviously a lucrative scam for, for these criminals. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's people who are targeted in this way become um, very panicked very quickly and can pay up. The other thing is that there's probably a lack of community awareness around um, the nature of this scam. I think uh, probably people who are caught up in it are less willing to talk about it with their, their family, friends and colleagues, whereas if they'd been caught up in a different type of scam that was, you know, that didn't involve um, this, you know, private interaction and sexual images and so on, you know, they, they might be more inclined to, to let their people know that, you know, to look out for mm. the, these warning signs and so on, but it's, it's just not that type of scam. Yeah, because there's, there's there's definitely a lot of shame attached to this one for sure. I'm I'm just curious, Michelle, as to who this is impacting the most in this country. Can you give us a breakdown of the demographics? It's a particularly gendered um, type of harm that we're seeing. More than eighty percent of the reports of sextortion that uh, we've received were from men, and almost seventy percent of those are uh, young men aged eighteen to twenty four years of age. Uh, we also receive um, a large volume of reports from boys under 18 years, which is obviously very concerning. We encourage those boys to report to the AFP-led Australian Centre for Countering Child Exploitation so that they can receive um, the specialist support from, from that team to uh, mm. to help them if they find themselves in that situation. So, uh, yes, it's, it's definitely something that um, boys and young men need to be um, aware of and alert to. Why do you think young men are mostly the victims of sextortion here in Australia? Hard to say for sure, um, but when um, these criminals are, are trawling around on you know, social media apps or, or dating sites and so on, I think that's that's who they're looking for um, predominantly. So it's a numbers game, and um, you know, and they're trying to get just rope in as many people as they can as quickly as they can. So you know, they're just and they're, is it young men who are attracted approaches. to? men or are the people behind this also pretending to be women? Like, does it discriminate between mm. heterosexual and homosexual relationships? We certainly see a lot of um, these fake profiles that are pretending to be very attractive young women. And I think they're ensnaring a lot of heterosexual men that way. And that seems to be the majority of our reports. Um, but we've certainly seen reports where if a, a profile of an attractive young woman reaches out to someone and they say, sorry, I'm not into women, then they'll, they'll seem to change tactics and they'll come back, you know, with a different profile or um, try and introduce them to a friend, a male friend or something like that. So they won't stop. They're very persistent. 
Yeah, that's surprising to me because in my mind, I and I, I don't really even know why I thought this, but I just assumed that it would be uh, women and young girls that would be impacted by sextortion the most, and and that's not the case. So, do you think there's a bit of a, mm. a misunderstanding here? I'm certainly not saying that women and, and girls aren't impacted and, and some of the reports that we receive from, from younger girls, the demands are more for uh, further images rather than for payment. Uh, but when we're, we're talking about these demands for payment, I think um, the criminals behind these scams are really focusing in particularly on, on male targets. That's interesting you say criminals behind these scams. What information do you have mm. about who is uh, perpetrating these sorts of things? It is often organised crime syndicates, often based offshore, that are um, behind. You know, there, there are solo operators as well, but you know, a lot of this effort is is highly organised, and um, you know, these criminals are ruthless and they're targeted in their demands. They apply more and more pressure to people who respond to their threats. So, it's the key message is that you know, if you pay once, they'll keep coming back with more and more demands. And because they're mainly based overseas, it's very difficult uh, for Australian victims to get their money back. And do we know on which websites or which apps this is happening the most on? Our reports show that these um, blackmailers initially make contact on the mainstream social media services with Instagram and Snapchat, the most frequently reported to our investigators. So... For uh, people who might be on Instagram and and have a a stranger randomly slide into their DMs and and the chat turns sexy right away and then very quickly, you know, there's there's, uh, requests to share images, uh, particularly with your face in in the image, um, or they they might ask to move to a different platform, often Snapchat and have a video chat or, or share the images that way. How should people avoid falling into these kind of traps? Because uh, I think if you're a, a young person, you're on a dating app, you're talking to someone, you're spending a bit of time talking to them, there's a lot of back and forth, they seem like a normal, nice person, maybe they've sent you a nude of mm. themselves that matches their profile pic, you're kind of you're caught up in the moment a little bit. What's your advice on how people should avoid this kind of stuff or, or at least try and prevent it from happening? I think probably, you know, asking yourself a question like maybe is it too good to be true might be a good place to start. I mean, dating apps can be a bit tricky because, you know, that's the whole purpose of being on the dating app is to Mm. to make a, a connection with a stranger. So be wary on dating apps, but be particularly wary on social media that's not specifically there for that purpose um, and a stranger just reaches out to you and, um, and the chat turns sexy really quickly. Even if you meet them on the dating apps, if they're asking to go to an, a different platform and then um, asking for an exchange of images, then I think, you know, they're, they're kind of warning flags to look out for if they're reticent to um, share images with their face in it, that's another warning sign. Often they'll say that they can't speak to you, they're having problems with their audio. So there's often a reason why um, they want your video on but their video isn't on or at least that the microphone isn't on because they, they might be showing video that they've taken from another site of a different person um, but they'll, they'll want to avoid that um, live audio interaction. Mm. And what should somebody do if this has happened to them and if they find themselves in a scenario where they're being extorted? 
The most important thing is to not pay. If you pay, that will really increase their interest in you and really increase the pressure. Stop the chat, stop all engagement, don't respond to any messages that they're sending um, because they will bombard um, you with demands and pressure. Stop all the engagement, take screenshots of the messages and the threats that you've received, their social media profiles, their profile URL to collect all of that evidence. Uh, Report the blackmailer's account to the platform or platforms that you're on. For children and young people under 18, they should report to the Australian Centre for Countering Child Exploitation. They have an online reporting portal for young people to use to make sure that they get the help they need. For people over 18, if their images have been shared or if they're not satisfied with the response they receive from the platform they've reported to, um, then they can report that to esafety.gov.au slash report and we'll assist them with that. And obviously they can always visit our website as well, esafety.gov.au, and there's a lot of tips and advice on the website. There's some um, mental health impacts involved. So, you know, definitely get support from a family member or a friend that you trust or, and there's obviously um, expert counselling services available too. So uh, no one has to go through this on their own. And then finally, update privacy settings. Um, That's always a good idea. That was Michelle, an investigator from the Office of the eSafety Commissioner there speaking about sextortion. And I have a hunch that As much as people are reporting this happening to them, there's probably a whole bunch more that have not come forward because of the shame and the stigma that's attached to being a victim of this type of scam. I hope that changes. Listener.